ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese and the hashtag ignition. Um, so happy Lent, listeners. Um, if you are a regular subscriber to the podcast, um, we've been running some um, repeat episodes. Sorry. Um, if you listen to the show on the radio, repeat episodes. If you've listened to the show on podcast subscription, uh, there have been a, uh, uh, episodes for a couple weeks here. Um, but I am very excited and happy that I do actually have a co-host today who might be familiar to some of our listeners co-host who are you i am a son of the eternal father <laughs> uh, reborn in the waters of baptism uh and now uh and sealed with the holy spirit to be my lifelong uh friend and advocate and now uh ordered to uh the person of christ uh the priest uh in uh, the gift of ordination you can call me father andrew <laughs> So, long-time listeners, Father Andrew Dickinson is sitting across from me in the studio today. Long-time listeners would know that Father Dickinson was my very long-time co-host uh, up until last summer. Yep. Um, and, uh, Freedom! We, we've been, for me. <laughs> um, and we've we've been doing a, sort of a rotating co-host. And I've done a few done a few shows by myself, Father, actually. It's been interesting, to, I pi- too. I picked up that vibe a little bit in the opening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you notice that? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's good to have you back, though. Um, Father and I did talk about this when when he stepped away from full time co-hosting duties. That every now and then, if it worked in the schedule, we'd be happy to have him back. So, and it worked. So you just described us in great detail who you, <laughs> who you are. Um, I'll introduce myself in a moment. But what do you do? Oh, okay. Uh, I uh, pierce the heart of Jesus and bring down the body, <laughs> blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, I'm the uh, director of the Pope Pius XII Newman Center in Brookings, as well as the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, uh, in my ninth year serving those communities. Um, I have gotten listener feedback that there's a lot less um, inane banter on Ignition (laughs) since August. (laughs) What was inane about that beautiful description of the Holy Mass? (laughs) My name again is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role for over 15 years. More importantly, I am um, Jermaine's husband for 18 and a half years, and father to five of our children, the youngest of whom, as we're recording this, um, uh, is turning six, or has turned six as of today. The Feast of the Chair of St. Peter, as we're recording this, Father. Beautiful feast. Beautiful feast. The office of the papacy, that great gift that keeps on giving. Amen. Um, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. No, um, no, no, no. Because as you're hearing, this is no longer the feast of the chair of St. Peter. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, instead, we're, we're uh, here um, in the, well, I guess the first week of Lent technically, but uh, beginning the second week of Lent, if you look at starting on Ash Wednesday. And and um, Father and I sort of came together uh, on, on we, we had two different ideas that, that meshed together pretty well. So 
What we're going to talk about today is a combination of the traditional disciplines of Lent, the penitential practices of Lent, together with the evangelical councils. And we will explain those here in case you're you're wondering, what the heck are the evangelical councils? So uh, you look like you have something to say, no, Father Dick. No, I'm ready. You're ready. I'm oh, just, yeah, that's, that's, that's the readiness I'm just posture. Ready. I, that's, <laughs> he's sitting up, ready sitting co- upright. Ready co host one? Uh, <laughs> so, Father, this this does go back, and, and, and we, we talked about this uh, in, in our show notes a bit. We'll talk about it now on the air. Um, the very first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday, of course, um, the gospel reading, Jesus speaks about how to pr- how we ought to pray um, and how we ought to fast and we how we ought to alms give. And, give. and we get right there an indication of, of these traditional Lenten practices. You, uh, as, as a priest, of course, um, often will proclaim, because you don't have a deacon in your... Nope. Your so you do proclaim the gospel, and then, of course, you give a, a, an exposition in the homily on it. So tell us a little bit more about that first gospel reading on, of Lent on Ash Wednesday. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's well, we could do a whole side topic on the whole interesting thing about how we, uh, our Lord encourages us to do these things, but not for our earthly reward, but for our heavenly reward. Right, right. You know, and oh, you know what I'd love to, I, I always say to myself at Ash Wednesday, I'm going to research this, and then yeah, I, I <laughs> the, two, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday comes, and I never remember it again. Uh, why do we in the U.S. put our ashes on the forehead, where in Europe, at least in Italy, they put it on the crown of the head. I forgot about that. I don't know. Because did you study in Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you got yeah. your ashes on your head. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, they sprinkle it on your head. Yeah. So yeah. when did that difference come about? I don't know. Yeah. My No, maybe you know this since we're talking about things that I intend to look up on Ash Wednesday, but don't mm-hmm. ever. Why? Um, the whole numbering thing, I know we talked about. And yep. been, so, but why... Um, why Lent begins on the on a Wednesday when if you there's no way to count the forty? And, well, there used to be. That's what it was. We've talked about this before. So I'm gonna I'm gonna state my full question for the listeners instead of just having an internal monologue. <laughs> I, I wonder we for can't a long hear time what you're thinking. <laughs> why for a long time? Why why forty days of Lent? But there aren't actually forty days of. And there are different theories. Well, if you if you um, divide by three or carry the remainder, don't count the Sundays of Lent mm-hmm. because they're not penitential days the same way, etc. It goes back to uh, the, the establishment of the Triduum in a new way, um, where Lent actually begins, listeners, um, on the eve of Holy Thursday. Lent, Lent, Lent ends. Lent ends. Lent ends there. The Triduum begins. Right. But I think uh, before that distinction was made, Lent was considered to go up until actually the Easter Vigil, until, well, until Holy Saturday. Yeah. And I've also heard it too, like, uh, connected to the Sundays where they moved it off, but that's not our topic today. That's not our topic today. But again, it's not unusual. To and the reason like. I was musing about the ashes on the forehead versus the crown of the head, yeah, is of course because what stands out to everyone. I th- and, and the reason I wonder this is because it almost serves as a distraction. That the fo- one of the focuses of our Lord is earthly reward versus heavenly reward. Yep. Right throughout, uh, whether it's uh, prayer, fasting, or almsgiving, uh, it's all about you know do it for the sake of the heavenly reward and not for the earthly reward. Right. Uh, and and now here, put some ashes on your forehead for everyone to see. Right. 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 Uh, so wait a moment. Why are we doing why this? Why do we do that? Um, but again, also remember though that ashes are a sign of your your ashes are a sign of your worthlessness. Yeah. Almost. Right. Yeah. That you 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 are dust, and to dust you're going to return. 
And what good is dust for? Unless you're like a pledge salesman, nothing. Exactly. Right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so this, uh, this gospel passage and by our Lord focusing on these three things that we should do. And it's always good to point out to people, he doesn't say if you pray, if you give alms, if you fast, but when, when, when you pray. And so that's where we're going with this, uh, is about this invitation to live these three things, these three disciplines, the classic disciplines of Lent, uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And in many ways, like the devotions of Lent are already centered around this. Right. Uh, between the fasting of Ash Wednesday, the fasting from meat on Fridays, uh, and uh, the prayer of going to an Ash Wednesday Mass, and maybe the Triduum devotions, um, and then, of course, the almsgiving uh, as a part of our regular Sunday giving, and maybe the Holy Land collection on Good Friday. Right. So these things are already kind of a part of uh, of that movement. Built into the season. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, I just saw today at a meeting I was at, uh, how much all the people of the diocese gave for Good Friday. Last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's really impressive. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so way to go. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah. No, way to go. Um, yeah. and then, I know you're going to keep and again, it up. And again, that goes to the church in the Holy Land. Yep. So. To protect the places and the shrines where our Lord uh, lived, uh, suffered, died, and rose. Beautiful. So we're, we're going to, in, in, in today's... Um, what time we have left in this episode? We're, we got plenty of time. Father's looking at his watch right now, um, and 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 looking at his watch and furrowing his brow, his brow and pursing his lips. And, uh, we're we're marrying the conversation of poverty, almsgiving, fasting, and prayer with poverty, chastity, and obedience, which are the evangelical councils. Father, do you know why they're called the evangelical councils? I do. Do you? Yes. Well, first they're called evangelical because they come from the gospels. The gospels, the evangelists, uh, evangelical coming the from Evangelion, yep, the good in the, Greek, yep. the word for gospel, good news, uh, evangelium in Latin, and then councils, not because because it's you may not have heard me pronounce it this way, but it's spelled C O U N S E L, so it's about advice. Right. Sometimes I call it the gospel advice. Okay. Okay. Sure. And it comes from uh, words our Lord, our Lord himself says. So the three evangelical councils are poverty, chastity, and obedience. And they're all three things that in the Gospels our Lord invites us to do in order to be like him. Right, right. So um, and, and we're going to talk about these. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll wait off with the summary. We'll just get into each of them. So the first pair— Oh, no, give me the summary. What's this? Well, so, so poverty— yeah, let's give a quick little summary of each thing. So poverty, chastity, and obedience, again, are the evangelical councils. Um, so poverty, primarily we're talking about material poverty here, right? Right. And it ties into the scripture verse, uh, Luke, I think, 8 comes to mind, uh, where Jesus says, uh, Foxes have dens and hens have nests, but the Son of Man has no, no place to lay his head. And also, too, where uh, there's a question about the uh, temple tax, Yep. And Jesus tells Peter to throw a line to the sea, and he pulls out a fish, and from the fish's mouth there's a coin. He says, use that to pay the temple tax for you and me. Right. So he doesn't, he doesn't carry money. money. Yep. Right. Um, so chastity, and again, we're going to get into more of these as we go. Chastity has to do, of course, uh, well, not necessarily of course, um, with um, abstinence from sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. and, and just Conten the, Continence, that was the word I was looking for. Yeah, continence, and so, but also just the restraint to chastise, to restrain, uh, 
one's appetites, especially in this case, the sexual appetite. Right. And to be clear there, um, no, I'll say this now. We're all called to chastity. Oh, amen. We're all called to chastity. Uh, I'm a married man. I'm called to chastity. Yep. And we'll um, explain that a little more in the details of it, I think. Yep. Okay. But that's, an, but that's a very important note, listeners. Chastity is not just something for priests and nuns and single people. It's for all people. Yep. And then obedience. Um, uh, and I love the pairing that we're going to do with that. But obedience, of course, is is doing uh, be, being obedient to our proper and legitimate authorities. And there we think of uh, Jesus saying, uh, the son can do nothing but what he sees the father doing. In the Gospel of John, we also think of, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, when he says, Take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Amen. Yep. <clears throat> You're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald. And I'm guest appearing, Father Andrew Dickinson. And we're talking today about the disciplines of Lent, the traditional disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and how they actually match up as well with the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. If you've got questions about this episode, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or if you, like Father Dickinson, are on Twitter, you can tweet at us. Using the Twitter handle at sfdiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E. And put the hashtag ignition on there to help us sort out the traffic. And then you can also email us. Did you give the email? Yeah. Us? Okay. Did, great. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So let's get to the, the first linkage that I'm we're talking about. Yeah. Um, poverty and almsgiving. So again, poverty. We're talking here about particularly about material poverty. We should note, by the way, Father. I think a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, including many Catholics, if not most Catholics, have this idea that you, as a priest, um, have taken the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. But as a diocesan priest, that's actually not the case. Right. That's a good distinction. Uh, So the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience are what consecrated religious take. Uh, And they're different in that sense from the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So in a religious order, a sister, a nun, uh, a brother, a monk, they've taken these vows that they're going to uh, live them in a specific and concrete way, obedience to their religious superior, uh, forsaking uh, marriage for the sake of the kingdom of God and, and looking towards uh, the union with our Lord in heaven. And uh, um, poverty. poverty in the sense of not owning anything personally. Uh, but all Christians are called to embrace the evangelical councils by virtue of your confirmation to Christ in baptism. Right, right. And so you just to, and just to, to put a bow on this, you as a diocesan priest again don't take make those vows, take those vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. But you do make two promises relate, related. Right. To these. So when ordained a deacon, a priest makes a promise of uh, perpetual continence, uh, we call celibacy, uh, and then he makes a promise of. Twice, he repeats it, he makes a promise as a deacon and as a priest uh, of obedience to his bishop and his successors. Right, right. So that's distinct from the vows. That, and working really confusing is there are some, there are priests who are members of religious orders, right. and they have taken the vows. Because, right. So. But for, we're talking here again about how this applies to all of us, right. not just to those religious communities. Oh, they're talking about these things. I don't have to listen to it no, today. No, this no. isn't for me, a married person. <laughs> exactly. It is. So let's talk a little about that again, poverty, Father. Um, you and I both read a, a great book by Father Thomas Dubé called Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that's a, that book by uh, Father Dubé is a killer. It is. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> But just kind of highlighting how much we've become infatuated with goods and material goods and material comfort in our Western culture. Um, Not that they're bad, 
but just that they aren't the supreme end of our life. Right. Uh, but so, so what is poverty? How can we think about poverty? Now, all Christians then should uh, embrace first a spiritual poverty, though. Uh, and then uh, look to see how to live out that simplicity and material poverty, God willing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so spiritual poverty comes to us also from the Beatitudes. Uh, do you remember which one? Nope. It's the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom, kingdom. of God. Yeah. Yep, theirs is the kingdom of God. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, so to be poor in spirit, to know your weakness, to know your limitations— uh, those who are poor know their imitations in a concrete way. Um, have you done any volunteer work with the poor? Uh, some. Or, and so, um, and maybe you yourself, listener, uh, struggle with, uh, live in a state of poverty and know the limitations of it, that when you live in poverty, there is that sense of helplessness. Right, okay? right, right. Um, now, that despair that sometimes comes with it uh, that spirit of despair that nothing good can happen, that there's no way out, that isn't part of what uh, the evangelical council wants to engender within you. Right. Um, but this this sense of your limitations, uh, you know, as so you think about how, you know, something bad happens to you, you get a flat tire, you know, all in the same week, uh, you get a flat tire, uh, your child needs to get stitches and goes to the emergency room, and uh, the... Um, uh, the monthly uh, credit card bill comes from your vacation in January. And so all in the same week, you know, we have to worry about paying all these things. Right. Now, well, maybe you have a vacation in January if you're poor. But uh, if you're poor, I mean, these sorts of things just really kind of limit your life. Right. And, and you get the sense of helplessness. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle these things? Um, kind of just super glue my, glue my kid's face myself. Um, cause that's what they're going to do at the doctor's office. Um and so it's distressing. It's tough to know sure. these limitations in that way. So that's the re- so so those who um, experience material poverty know the reality of those limitations. Correct. But we all have them, right? Right. And it's just our wealth kind of provides us the illusion that we don't have them. Exactly. And so spiritual poverty is to make sure you're aware of them, uh, even though maybe they're not as concrete for you. So we're called also, but so okay, some people might okay, I can, I can, I can do that. I can, but we are also called to be attentive to the place and the the proper place of material goods in our life as disciples. So poverty, um, we're not called necessarily to be materially poor. There's nothing wrong with having wealth, but we have to properly order it. Right. Just remember when you say there's nothing wrong with wealth. Remember Jesus's words about uh, the Noth- rich. Yeah. Do you remember those words? Um, the the rich shall not inherit. Uh, no, I, w- I thought I did, but that's the disciples. It is uh, harder for a rich man to enter that, yeah. the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Because uh, we can be distracted by material goods and become self reliant. Exactly, yeah. and forget that it is yeah. the Lord. And you think back to the Old Testament narrative all the time. It's the Lord who fights. It's the Lord who wins. It's the Lord who works. Yep. So. Uh, Listeners, then, if how do you develop the spiritual poverty and this sense of detachment from these things? Almsgiving is a beautiful connection to that. Exactly. Especially aiming for that tithe. A lot of people kind of cringe sometimes on the idea of aiming for the tithe. What do you mean? What do you mean by aiming for the tithe? Well, or achieving the tithe. What the tithe being? So the tithe is uh, the ten percent. 
comes from the Old Testament, the idea that you should be able to give. And there was to leave a 10%, a tenth of your uh, harvest ungathered uh, for the sake of the poor and the alien, and then to take a tenth of your cereal and flock and other goods to the temple to offer to the Lord. Right. Uh, and so in a market economy, uh, we carry that into our income. Yep. Because, uh, uh, I mean, if you do have flocks and fields, you can do it that way. Um I know the Catholic Community Foundation for Eastern South Dakota can take gifts of grain. They do. Uh, but the, um, so almsgiving and then stretch, and then the tithe is where the rubber kind of meets the road. Because for a lot of people, oh, I can give some money to charity, but are you deliberately aiming at the tithe and achieving the tithe? And, but so by which trying uh, trying to give or giving 10% of your Pre-tax gross income, and, and why? Why we're both smiling at each other? Why? Why do we both emphasize pre-tax gross income? Well, because I probably would want to get out of it otherwise. Well, because, but 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 also because the government actually gives you a break for your financial giving, right? Because your financial giving does a lot of the things in your community that the government otherwise does right. through tax income. Right. But and for me, just as as as, as we seek to do this, uh, it's the reality that. Before the government takes its share, I the Lord is given His share. Right. That's that's so. a great that's a great way to look at it too. So. To give to the Lord first. Yep. Share first to the Lord. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so that almsgiving really helps you to grow in that poverty. If you want to know how to do that, how to grow in that, look at your almsgiving. Be more deliberate about your almsgiving. Don't just throw a fiver in the basket. Yep. Look at your income. Look at your budget. And maybe that means you have to trim back on other things in your budget in order right. to get that tithe. Good, because then you're encountering those limitations and that spirit of poverty. And one practical thing is we've sought to do this uh, in our uh, house. Um, if you're not there yet, but you want to get there, just just uh, slowly, incrementally get there. You don't have to go from, if you're at 1% and going from 1 to 10 is tough. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. so let's move on, Father. The second part. Boy, time is really it's going. going. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so chastity and fasting. And you, we already spoke about how we're talking here about chastity and not perpetual continence or virginity. Right. right. Um, and, and you made a great point as we were just summarizing these, that chastity is about um, ordering our appetites. And, and, the, and this is the connection then with fasting. So chastity is primarily about ordering our our sexual appetite. Fasting is about ordering our uh, appetite for, for food. food and drink. Yeah. And yeah. But also entertainment as well. I think that fits in. Like, you know, if you give up YouTube for Lent, right. um, fasting is certainly, that certainly counts as a fast in that way. Right. Um, and so, uh, and how, this builds up to allow you to better use or better interact with people in your life. Because that's what chastity really is about, is loving each person. So you can think about chastity in the negative sense, to not do something. Uh, but you better to think about it in the positive sense, to love each person according to the relationship I have with them. Mm. Right? So you love your spouse, your wife, according to your spousal relationship. Right. Which means, which has privileges and obligations and things to it that are unique. You love your children according to your relationship with them. You love your coworkers. You love the guest hosts on Ignition. You love them all according <laughs> to the relationship you have with them. Right. Right? And so it's about that putting that love and affection in its right order, its right. right place. Right, right. And similarly then, fasting is about properly ordering as my my appetite for food or for drink. Um, so when I sit down to watch TV, I don't do so with a bag of tortilla chips and a, a jar of salsa, <laughs> or maybe some of us do. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We're not supposed to do that. That's, but that's, uh, and, and we all know, um, you know, some some years in particular, Ash Wednesday is can be tough. Yep. 
Um, Good Friday can be tough, but but all the again the church invites us to to give up something um, as a way of properly ordering our desires, and that's what this is about. As you just said, so that we can love others first, God, but then our neighbor better. Yep, so, and so it's a beautiful tie in between the two. Yep. So the third pairing, then, Father, obedience and prayer. So I love to match these two together because when we think about obedience, well, I'm not in a religious order. I'm not a little kid anymore. How do I live out obedience? And we live out the way that we live out obedience is in prayer. Because if I'm in prayer, I'm in communion with God, and God is my Lord. Right. And God's going to tell me what to be doing, tell me how to live my life, um, and also the obedience uh, of uh, obeying the teachings of the church and the yep. precepts of the church. Is this way you can concretize and do these uh, uh, and live this life of humility and humble obedience to the Lord? Right. Right. So by doing um, what his seeking his will through prayer and then doing it, we are being in our own lives obedient. And of course, I think the vast majority of us, uh, at least married um, with our our conversation with our spouses and and decision making with our spouses and the ways in which we're called to humble ourselves that way as well, I think is another another way that we live out that obedience. Exactly. So, uh, Father, we've got about a, a, just under a couple minutes to go, um, and I know you had a great thought that I want to give you opportunity to share as we wrap up. Well, just to, um, you know, w- why does Jesus give us this advice, this gospel advice, this evangelical counsel, poverty, chastity, obedience? Why does he tell us we should give alms, we should fast, we should pray? Uh, there's a line from St. Irenaeus of Leon that maybe people have heard part of before, where he says, the glory of God is man who is the living man, or the man who is fully alive. And it's a very inspiring quote, you know, makes me want to live life to the fullest. Yep. But there's a second part to that quote uh, that goes, so it really goes, the glory of God is man who is the living man, but the life of man is the vision of God. That this fully alive, this full life is life in the vision of God. And so the evangelical counsels, and this advice of uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving helps us to live that full life of God. So just to clarify there, uh, the, the, the glory of God is man, is man who is living man, but the life of man is the vision of God. What's the vision of God mean in this context then? Well, the vision of God is, it means the life of worship, it means the life of order in the life of church, it means the life of revelation. What has he revealed to us? I see God and what he's revealed to me. Right. So so vision, not like having his vision and mission statement so much as right. seeing him insofar as we can in their earthly life um, and by being in union with him that way. So if we want to be fully alive to give glory to God, we need to see him and unify our life order according to him. And you also think about the promise of St. Paul when he says that... Uh, you know, we will see God, or uh, St. John, actually, we will see God face to face. We will see him as he is. Right, right. And that begins partially through a glass dimly here on earth. Through what uh, our Lord has revealed to us in scriptures, revelation, and in the worship of the church. Thank you, Father, for being here again. Pleasure to be here every once in a while. Every once in a while. And that will wrap up this, this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us at sfdiocese use the hashtag ignition with questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.